Birth is the opposite of death. Life isn't the opposite of death. Life holds both birth and death, right? And and we've messed that up too. We've created life and death as the as the opposites, but it's birth and death, and it all happens within this stream of life. That's creative storyteller Peter Melton. This week's guest on episode 122 of the Unplugged podcast. Hello and welcome to another very cool week of the Unplugged podcast, where we unplug from status quo and shift the paradigm from head to heart by igniting a more passionate, compassionate, loving, and activated world. And this is the audio space where you will hear powerful conversations with the courageous truth seekers and free thinkers of today's rapidly collapsing world. My name is Deb Ozarko, warrior of truth, activist for the soul, and passionate lover of life here to welcome you to your bi-weekly dose of authentic expression, truth, critical thought, provoking words, and open-hearted inspiration from my paradigm-busting headquarters in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. Now, I have had the pleasure of meeting so many amazing people over the three and a half years that I've been on this Unplugged podcasting journey. And as I have evolved with an increasingly expansive and more finely tuned message, my listeners have also evolved, as have readers of my blog and my book. And 2015 was a pivotal year for me where everything changed in my life, in my work, in my message, and in my reality. And it was the year where my passionate dream for the world that my heart hungered for was demolished. And despite the bleak outlook of the world that was already presenting itself back then, I still believed that we had a small window of opportunity to pull off a miracle. And then the premonitions and visions began to show me otherwise. They were presenting themselves repeatedly and relentlessly from my heart and they made it to my head and I finally had to reach a place of acceptance. And to drive the message deeper, experiential reality was rapidly catching up with me. I knew that the miracle window had not only been closed, it had been bolted shut from all sides. I wrote about my revised reality as I moved through deep and very painful grief in my personal life. And as much as the, the small me wanted to just keep these words to myself, my soul, my, my bigger persona that is beyond personality, that is beyond my physicality told me otherwise. So with great trepidation, I put those painful, heartfelt words that were ripping my gut and heart apart, I put them out there. I put them out there in the written word and in the spoken word. And they went viral. Thousands of people connected with my words and they connected with a deeper truth that they also carried. And I was not prepared for the attention that followed. And since that time, I've moved through deeper grief, and that seems to be an ongoing process, deeper pain, and ultimately deeper acceptance. And there have been so many people who have reached out to me since that time that I, I can't even keep count now. 
And there have been still others who I've befriended and who I now have really amazing relationships with. And this week's guest is one of those amazing people. Peter Melton connected with me shortly after the release of my groundbreaking essay last year. I felt an instant kinship with his very kind and very passionate email demeanor. And since then, we've had numerous Skype conversations, including an interview that we did together for the Secretary podcast. Peter's easygoing persona and very natural humor make it really hard to believe that he is so keenly aware and tuned in to our collective predicament. But I can tell you this, he is very much aware of our collective predicament. He's worked with Guy McPherson and Carolyn Baker, along with many others who openly speak about collapse and the eco side that is rapidly rendering planet Earth uninhabitable. Now, Peter's outlook, however, is not one of fear and despair. His insatiable curiosity and natural creative talent for metaphors and fables and for music has gifted him with an ability to explore his spirituality in a way that brings peace and levity to the heart. Peter holds both collapse and expansion, mortality and immortality in his consciousness. And ultimately, in all of that, a sense of what he appropriately calls urgent spirituality something I very deeply resonate with. Peter also has a hunger for exploring how spirituality ties in with the crisis we are now living in. And this is something that I also very easily relate to because, I mean, as you know, this is the essence of my show. Something I also easily relate to is his unending curiosity and hunger to know more about the world and also more about his own soul. Needless to say, Peter is a kindred spirit. He asks himself big questions and dares to explore the answers. And as he says himself in one of the videos on his website, we experience ourselves as separate human beings trying to live this great life, and yet we know there's more. I dare to look at that more. What fuels my humanity? Who am I beyond my humanity? What is the bigger picture, the cosmic infinite story of the 14 billion years of planet Earth and the so much more that exists beyond that? How can I be in touch with that depth of understanding of who I am beyond my humanity? These are the, some, some of the questions that Peter dares to ask. And this is what Peter also dares for us all to discover within our own selves as we move through significant change and deepening crisis on this planet. So before I dive into this week's conversation with Peter, I'm going to share with you an inspiring song that he co-wrote called How Beautiful the World Is. And the song is performed by John Michael's son. So enjoy this beautiful piece of music and this week's awesome conversation with my friend, Peter Melton. same beauty in the eyes of you and me 
Can't believe how wonderful the world is How grateful I am to be alive But Mother Earth is crying Can you taste her tears? Future generations are depending on us here Cause I can see how fragile the world is Winds are blowing Storms are brewing, ice is melting, oceans rising, nature's calling, trees are falling, birds are dying, the earth is crying. How bountiful the world is How awesome it is to be alive But the way we've been living Will take more than our share I don't know what we're thinking If we're thinking that we care I know the times are scary But there's a feeling in my bones That we can work together Make this place our home Let me be how beautiful the world is A peaceful planet Let's grow with it Make it flower Solar power Water flowing Gardens growing People blowing Let's get going Lucky we are to be alive But our grandchildren are crying I can hear them weep If we don't make some changes What we sow is what they'll reap Let them see how beautiful the world is Let us be how beautiful the world is Let us see how Welcome, Peter. We connected uh, last year, I think it was, after you read read my essay. And yeah, your crazy essay that cra- turned the world on its head <laughs> and got everybody thinking in just a sweeter, deeper, whatever different way. That was so powerful. Thank oh, you. Oh, thank. Well, thank you. Yeah, it was. It was a very unpleasant time in my life, I have to say. But that was. Uh, it was cathartic for me to get it out, and it was also. A major, major life shift, paradigm shift, and it was not pleasant, but it's brought me to a really beautiful place where I get to talk to awesome people like you now. So I'm really, I'm really grateful for the awareness that I allowed in, so that I'm living my life in the way that it's really been meant to be lived all along. So, so thank you for reaching out. 
But um, yeah. what, what was really interesting for me is when I put this thing out there, I had no clue that there were so many others out there who had this awareness in their consciousness, this awareness of uh, imminent demise, of biosphere collapse, of social, economic, civilization collapse. And it seems to me that there is there are quite a few people who have been living with this awareness for quite some time. And holding that in your heart and navigating this crazy world is not easy. And you seem to have, you in particular, seem to really have your finger on the pulse of people out there who have been really outspoken about collapse and about human extinction and about this whole industrial civilization that is so toxic and has been such so damaging to this earth and I've only recently become aware of these people so I know you've been you've done work with Guy McPherson and Carolyn Baker so to start things off my curiosity is your story and how you reached this place of awareness about collapse and about near-term human extinction and about just all of the nonsense in this world that is so hard to navigate. And in that awareness, how have you learned to navigate your own life in a way where you're not caught on either side of either denial or despair? Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm just a couple steps ahead uh, on the path is kind of how I see it, because it's only been three years for me that it's really been integrated. Um, like many people, um, general awareness of the environment and eco stuff, and then uh, Al Gore's movie comes out, and there's a new aware, a, a sharper awareness of, oh my gosh, this could be really bad. And... And even just sitting in that starts sparking new new things. And as I look back at my story now, it's like, wow, actually a little before that, I was into some Howard Kunstler and starting to understand uh, Richard Heinberg and peak oil and, and this uh, suburbia and how the system really doesn't work, but it still seems to be working perfectly. So major paradox going on there. So these pieces of the puzzle started started fitting together. But it really was until, uh, well, just three years ago now um, that I stumbled into Guy McPherson's work uh, through a friend who sent me a link about Fukushima, right? Which is obviously another one of these big puzzle pieces that says, oh my goodness, all this stuff is happening and it's not having an instant effect, but are we sharp enough to grasp that maybe <laughs> these things will add up and, and cause us as this challenge it's like like a little little snowball a few little snowballs that are rolling down the hill right now not realizing that they're gaining momentum and growing bigger yes as they're exactly. gaining momentum exactly and then i and then i stumbled into mcpherson whose thing was just on the sidebar of a youtube thing that says uh human extinction 2030 and i'm like well there's somebody who's whacked out but let's see what he thinks <laughs> you know and that was my exact thing. I'm like, I like to, I like to, at least hear what these people think about all the topics, whether it's what we think about aliens or lost civilizations or any of the far-stretching 
thoughts of what is humanity and where did we come from and all that. So a general curiosity has been with me my whole life and, and, a, and a real strong spiritual curiosity for the last 20 years, for sure, um, to try to grasp this, this line that comes circling back now with McPherson. Because after I, after I listened to a few of, of Guy's talks, I started to really feel into this, oh my God, this could happen really quick. And there's nothing in my brain that could disprove any of the stuff that he was saying. You know, it's like, oh, that does make sense. The hotter it gets, the hotter it gets. The more the ice melts, the hotter it gets. The hotter it gets, the more the ice melts. You know, that that was an easy metaphor. And I kind of went into a, a depression. And it was mm. it was quick. And I was surprised that I was that I was drawn into the material because I'm a middle child, peace activist, Libra, optimist extraordinaire. It's kind of been my whole story. It's just all happy, 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 right? And... <laughs> And for some reason, I'm drawn to this story that's everything but happy, happy, happy. And I remember sitting there like two days worth of feeling really down. And then something clicked in me. And this is this this line that ties back to my spiritual quest is, are we spiritual beings having a human experience? How does How does that jive with the fact that we might be ending humanity? <laughs> Mm. Right. That. Wait a minute. There's got to be a bigger. What's the bigger storyline? I get the human storyline that we just didn't figure it out and we may be burning up the planet. And OK, but what's the spiritual? If I really am a spiritual being having a human experience, what, 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 what? And I began grappling. And in what seemed like just a few minutes, it landed in me in a whole different way of, wow. Huh. This is a, who are we really, right? That we've become so human-centric, so earth-centric, so now-centric that that we have stopped looking at the bigger picture. And, and that's what seems to be coming to a head right now. We've got this new years where we actually look at things from last year and into the future. We're in this little bubble of, of, of retrospect. We have this new political system moving into place in the United States that has the whole world wondering what's going to be happening here. And we're in this new world of, oh, my God, we've got to look at ourselves mm -hmm. and to dare to dare to look at ourselves and not just keep blaming others for the way things have unfolded. So these these threads weaving together to say, who are we really and who am I beyond my humanity? Right. And that maybe therein lies the deepest gift here. If, in fact, this is unfolding the way it is and somewhere between two and ten years from now, things are going to be massively different. And shortly after that, things are going to be completely off the hook. And that's what I choose to believe after my research. And so can I live my life that way? What does that really mean to Peter? <laughs> and what does that really mean to the great entered life energy that is running Peter. Right? Mm. Who, who am I? Can I actually connect to that infinite part of me? Can I pull myself out of the now timeline and linear timeline and human centric and earth centric and even Milky Way centric <laughs> um, way of seeing things and go, wow, what's really going on here? So that's kind of how the stories spun itself together and then I'm like wow okay now what I'm calling Guy McPherson I want to 
I want to dig in deeper to this. And he's been thinking about this for years, you know, and so I have a history as an event producer and, uh, and a coach and counselor and all this kind of stuff. So it's like I instantly just jumped in and said, I want to learn more. Turns out there's the first big miracle. I go to his website before I called him. And I finally went to his coming events page after being there on his site for several times. And three weeks from that day, he was speaking 20 miles from my house. It was meant to be. I'm like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? Here I am. So I had moved back home with my parents to help my dad die. So I'm I'm living in the bedroom at 52. I'm living in the bedroom I grew up in, helping my parents with my dad's passing and end up being there for two years in that process with his slow decline. But here I am in this completely powerful space of life and death and also childhood and parenting and just all this now parenting my parents. And at this time, this information comes to me right in this transitional moment for myself. It's this transitional moment for humanity. And I'm like, wow, this is incredible. And now guys speaking 20 miles from my house. So I get in touch with the producer. I go there. I go to the talks. I, I hang out and stay to go to dinner afterwards and just start in putting myself in as much as I can. He has the talk the next night. I go back the next night. We go to dinner again the next night. And it just continues to unfold that way. To the point, then the key moment, I said, what are you guys doing next? He goes, well, we don't have a talk for five days. It was like, uh, it's not till Friday, right? We had a talk on Sunday and not another talk till Friday. I'm like, you got nothing planned for four days? I'm like, come with me. I'll get you in front of some people, right? 20 miles away in the next town. And he says, really? I'm like, yeah, got an RV in the back you can stay in. And we'll put you in front of some people for the next four days instead of you just sitting here at the other guy's house. And so that began and that just sent it all swirling. I said, we got to bring you back in the fall and we brought him back in the fall. And that ended up being several tours that I did with Guy and, and just really led me down, down this rabbit hole. It is a rabbit hole. Whew, there's a long answer, but uh, <laughs> it gives, gives you and the folks a flavor of how this all kind of presented itself to me. Well, it's so interesting for me. I mean, you and I have had many conversations uh, since the release of the essay, and I never really got a full grasp of your story. And I find your story so interesting because you, not only do you know the intellectual cognitive material and you understand where we're at from a scientific perspective, but you also have delved deep into your own spirituality. And for me, I have been aware of what's been going on from a scientific perspective, from an environmental activism perspective for years, all of my life, really, to be perfectly honest. But for me, what's always been the driver in my life is the spiritual aspect. So when I wrote my essay, the guidance came from within and it was profound. There was no turning it off. It was so powerful that I was like you, I was in depression. I was in despair. I was, I had to face my own denial as well. So, <clears throat> and then what I did, I kind of did the reverse. Then I started seeking out more information to appease my intellect. And I realized, 
wow, what's coming from inside is matching what's on the outside. And that's when I discovered Guy McPherson, but I put the essay out beforehand. So it's what I'm finding really interesting is how the internal guidance is matching with what's going on outside and how for both of us, these are deeply, profoundly spiritual times. Because I'm finding more and more that I am feeling less connected to the, the, the material aspect of who I am and far more connected to the soul aspect of who I am. And I'm, my, even my writing is coming from the soul. And I can tell you, the soul has, is as desecrated in our world as animals and the natural world. They, the animals and the, natural and the natural world and the soul have been violated by humanity. So I am coming from a place right now that is fierce from the soul. And so my writing is cutting through all of the, the ego bullshit that has conditioned us to believe that we're separate from this world to get to the heart of who we are. And that's been a huge transition for me because my writing is scathing. And like you, I mean, you, you call yourself a, uh, an optimist. And for me, I've always been very, very passionate and I've, it's always been kind of a no holds bar way of talking. But for me, I've always had a bit of a softer edge because I know that we are all so much more. But I also now with what's coming up for me is that I also know that we have to cut through the hard shell that we have developed that have has pre completely prevented us from recognizing that we are part of this beautiful, amazing web of life. So right. <clears throat> it's, it's a very spiritual time for me. It sounds like a very spiritual time for you. And that is a conversation that I really want to explore as well, because this awareness has drastically changed my life in a more spiritual way. And my curiosity now is how it has changed your life uh, on a day-to-day -day human basis and also from that deeply spiritual perspective. Because for me, the things that the, the collective, the masses of people out there still place importance on, I, I, I look at that and now I just see lunacy. I see business as usual as absolute <laughs> lunacy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so great framing of, of the situation and a couple of things that come up to me somewhere in one of the talks, what came out of me was this feeling of an urgent spirituality that spirituality previously was this game I was going to play for the rest of my life. And it was this nice little lyrical music-y kind of, I'm going to have a spiritual experience the rest of my life in this nice flowy kind of way. And what, what uh, collapse and, and probable extinction has brought forth is this feeling of, well, wait a minute, I don't have my whole life. First of all, I don't have my whole life even to be human and do the human things, but I don't have my whole life to dance with the spirituality thing. It's There's an urgency to spirituality, and there's a, a depth to this underlying story. You hit on the key thing. We have convinced ourselves of this illusion of separation and that we're separate from the planet. We're separate from our choices. We're separate from other people. We're separate from our creator. We're separate from all of it. And the only way that that makes sense, so then I always go back to my default mantra, if we're a spiritual being having this human experience, 
Why? What makes sense? What makes this make sense from a spiritual infinite perspective? Right? And and that requires daring to flip the channel in your brain from what I would call channel two to channel one, right? The, the duality to the non-duality, to the oneness. I've also been a big proponent of oneness throughout quite a few years now. This idea that separation is is really the core of, of what took us off. The, the illusion of separation, because in reality, we're not separate. Mm-hmm. And so I love to use, I'm, I'm also a, a story writer. Uh, I love to write fables to try to make sense of complicated uh, topics. Um, and so this storytelling aspect of where we are now is what really moves through me the most, is how can I frame this a, in the most simple way so people could understand And it's an ongoing process. I'm in no way complete, but there are some pieces that feel like they're in place, one of which is exactly what we're talking about here is the separation. And this, the metaphor I love to use for that to help people back the truck on up, if you will, is is that the ocean and the wave. Is that the wave, if you imagine a wave taking on human consciousness, then it thinks it's alone. It thinks it's lost. Who's this big wave chasing me? right? Why are you following me? Leave me alone, right? It's like, no, we're all just part of the big ocean. What are you talking about ocean, right? And and so we've, we've purposely forgot, as I see it, that the infinite energy of life decided to play a game with itself to say, we're going we're gonna to help you forget that you're actually the ocean. You're going to think you're a wave. You're going to worry about hitting the shore. You're going to worry about everything that's around you. You're going to experience linear time and the, the concept that you're going to die, that there's going to be an end, and see what shows up when, you, when we mix all these, these things together in the test tube. And we bought into the story full on that we set up for ourselves because we know that there's an infinite timeline that we're actually playing on. And this is just a dream moment. This is just a snap of the fingers in the infinite time. And it's saying, well, will you play this game with me for two seconds? Deb, will you pretend to be a giraffe with me for two seconds? Let's run around. (laughs) Okay, done. Right. And that, that if you can dare to sink into the infinite space that, that curses through you, as I understand it, then we can see that humanity is that also. We're just pretending for two seconds. We're, we're, we're this linear timeline exists somewhere within the infinite eight, within the infinity symbol. What the way I like to describe it is that we've stretched infinity. And if you imagine having like a rubber band in your hand or the, the, an infinite eight, the, the linear timeline that we call life and death is part of that. We stretch, create this tiny little linear life and death game. So that we can experience the paradox of being temporary and infinite at the same time. Right. And so here we are totally paradoxically warped. There's a there's an ocean that knows it's the ocean pretending to be a wave for a moment to see just what it would feel like to trick ourselves into this virtual reality paradoxical craziness. <laughs> and that's the only way that it all makes sense to me. Right, that we dared to have this experience called Earth, or whatever you want to call the grander cosmic experience of Milky Way or galaxies or this universe, whatever this this stuff that we're able to perceive. We decided to have this little game with ourselves, 
And we, we set it up and we did it to see what it would feel like because it's only a moment on the infinite porch. I think we used that <laughs> term before, right? That we're just sitting on the porch chuckling with each other saying, let's play a game in our mind for a couple seconds. So these kinds of foundational pieces have helped me to set up, okay, what is, what is the bigger story? Who am I beyond my humanity? Uh, it's a question quite the rabbit hole, but this is how the story has unfolded for me. Um, and yeah, that it's, it's an amazing remembering and forgetting that we set up for ourselves. And when I own that, I did this so that I cleverly disguised as Peter could experience it this way. And you're experiencing it the dead way. You're the only way that the infinity can experience itself. The devil's Arco way. And this is why it's it's so vital that we set up that everybody's different. Everyone has different experiences. No experiences are necessarily better or worse to the infinite experience. They're just wanting, I want to see everything. What's every possible outcome of this test tube craziness that I put together? Everything from dying as an infant to being the king of England or the Mother Teresa to being shot as JFK, whatever. Right. Just every different possible way of experiencing this wild game that we set up. It's almost like the uh, many of the waves, though, have crashed against the shore so many times that they've developed a very serious head injury. And so <laughs> there's this coma of separation that prevails as a result. And they can't even remember that they were part of the ocean to begin with. For sure. <clears throat> so For sure. That, that's how we set it up. Crazy. I want, I want to experience not remembering at all, and I want to experiencing remembering occasionally, and I want to experience remembering as much as possible. And forever, for whatever reason, that's my own personal zone, is that I want to remember as much as possible. That's the part I'm playing for the infinite right now. How can I know myself beyond my humanity now, while we're still here, while we're still in? This is an amazing little bubble that we're in, where the awareness is now pretty real that things are spinning out of control, but it hasn't really hit yet. And this is the other analogy that I use that I think is, is really helps land it is the analogy of when the apes found fire. So we're imagining this, this ape that locates fire and all of a sudden is able to say, Oh, look, warmth. This is great. Oh, work, uh, light. I can see better. This is an amazing power. I'm going to take this back to the camp, right? And take some fire back to the camp and everybody's in on. It's great. But then everybody goes to look at something else and then we're off somewhere else. And then we run over there to get some food and we come back, we come back to the camp and it's the jungles burning down that the apes didn't have the wherewithal, the knowledge that the, of the power of what they were dealing with and it burned down their jungle. And I think we're in that exact spot right now where we, we are the proverbial ape, the wise ape. We went cruising to go get some bananas and we came back to this bluff that overlooked our village and the whole village is on fire. And we're looking at our old way of being and saying, oh my God, this, there's no way we can stop the fire. Everything that we knew in that little savanna, whatever, is burnt down. And we need, we're going to now be in a new world. However, unlike an ape who could just move to another jungle, we find ourselves in this barren wasteland. As far as you can see, that's like, we have no idea what this new world is going to look like. Right? 
We, we, we set up the game and then always catch yourself and bounce back, right? We set up the game to where we only had 2.0 brains and we signed up for a 4.0 puzzle. to see just how much could how far could we get how much could we do with this limited wisdom that we implanted in the system however we did that and we're going to feed all these challenges because to the infinite mind i just want to play bring on the challenges right this is two seconds of being a giraffe and so let's see what happens when we serve up all the challenges so so what's happened to humanity as i see it is we we chose this separation we're playing this this very temporary game it feels really important. It feels like everything because that's how we set it up. So we could experience what does it feel like to lose everything, right? And we set that up in, in the fact that everybody dies, but only in a little way because we don't really feel that we're going to die. <laughs> As I know humans, we don't re- resonate with our own death until it, it smacks us in the face. <laughs> we don't live knowing that we're dying. We live taking everything for granted. And that's, that's the other gift that's circling back now is, wow, how can I live knowing that I'm dying? How can I live knowing that all of this is shifting? And what does that do to me from the infinite place? And what does that do for me from the human place? You know, I really love that term that you used uh, about spiritual urgency. I think that that's what, and your story is so resonant with my own, you know, the flowy, let's just kind of try this out spirituality, but now it really is very urgent. It feels like awakening is just not an option. And I wrote in my most recent post, it's either awaken and die, which I say in air quotes, because when we awaken, we know that we're not really dying. It's just, we're shedding a skin, the human body. And we're going back to the infiniteness. So it doesn't really impact us as much. Or we die asleep. We die with that phobic feeling that is so pervasive in our culture. And we're asleep. So we, we die with fear. And it's, um, it's really interesting for me to feel this spiritual urgency and to be living more from a soulful place and to understand more of the infiniteness that is Debo Zarco, that is this world, that is life. It's becoming more and more clear to me, and I'm just feeling the tender sacredness of every single moment of life. And I'm also at the same time seeing even greater lunacy in how everything is playing out in our world. It's just the, the paradox, like you were talking about the paradox. The paradox is is extreme. So I'm finding that as I get closer to the soul aspect of who I am, I'm finding that I need to insulate myself more from the outside world because it's just so, it's, the energies are just so toxic. I I mean, that's the only word that comes up for me is, is the toxicity. The absolutely. Yes. So two, again, pair uh, analogies or, or metaphors, if the wave, when the wave remembers that it's the ocean, you can imagine what it would feel like to go, oh, I'm not some separate something. I'm the wave. I'm the ocean expressing itself just like everything else. And I'm going to splash back into the shore and then I'm going to join back in with the infinite ocean. Oh, right. Just this bliss almost of, of knowing Um of course, there'll be the remembering and forgetting, and it'll happen right back again. Maybe we can put my uh, my 
I read this video uh, fable, uh, Waves of Oneness, that I call. Uh, maybe we can post it on your site for folks because it it tells the story a little more. But but to feel of being in that space, did you ever see the movie City of Angels? Nicholas Cage and Meg Ryan. Oh my God, you've got to see that. Okay, that it's is, on my list. That is my number one movie because Nicholas Cage is an angel who then chooses to come and be human. And so, but he, he has this paradoxical moments where he knows that that's what's happening, right? He knows he's an angel choosing humanity for what is only a short time. And he lives in this bliss. And I want to mention another movie because movies tell the story in such a powerful way. And that is Collateral Beauty that's out right now with Will Smith. Um, and there was, a, there was a moment in this movie where one of the characters has cancer, but he doesn't want to tell his family, right? But there's this wisdom that comes through to him through one of the other characters that says, you need to tell your family. You need to have a chance uh, that this is a time to say goodbye. And when I heard this time to say goodbye line on this movie, it ran right through me. I'm like, oh, my God, this is this little window we're in. This is this new train of thought, this new thread that I'm on. It's like we're in this we're in this moment where it hasn't quite wiped us out yet, but it sure looks like it's going to. But we're these uh, these apes on the hill looking at our, our our past burning up and we can't go back there. We're realizing that we probably didn't want to go back there anyway because it really didn't work the way we were doing it. We have really no concept of what moving forward looks like without all the tools that we've been living in to create this thing. We're in this barren wasteland that says, I have absolutely no idea where we go from here, right? Or what dominoes are going to fall over in my certain neck of the woods? How much social unrest will there be? How, how will we feed ourselves? How will we get along? How will we do these basic bottom line things? Will the weather even allow us to <laughs> operate in any kind of pseudo normalish way? But we're in this little window right now that, that just seems like only maybe has been around for as much as a year or so, and maybe last about as much as a year more where we can look down and go, wow, this is a, a moment in history. It's a time to say goodbye. It's a time to say, and there's an amazing uh, article I read, Rachel Kahn, K-A-N-N, what to tell the children. And in that she says, tell them that everything is not okay. And that knowing that is okay. Right. Tell them that pretending that what is unacceptable is fine is what got us into this sick and dysfunctional spot. Right. That that we're in this moment. and I picture almost well, like me and a child or the apes and the ape family up on top of the hill. Right. And it's like, holy shit, everything's not OK. And that's OK. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is what this is what the infinite story is daring us into right now is who are we when we pull out the rug of this isn't human-centric, Earth-centric, now-centric world, isn't everything. In fact, it's only a bleep of the eye. We only came, or humanity's only been here for a moment. And yet, and yet we completely step away from the whole cosmic story that we are part of. So there's a whole reframing that's happening amongst this. We're saying goodbye to this whole way of being, this whole way of of holding our infinite space as separate and finite. And that, I think, when you keep backing up to the infinite story, and if, in fact, we blow this up and humanity goes extinct and maybe all life on Earth goes extinct, whatever, 
that when when I step back into infinite role and go, wow, what a trip that was. <laughs> right? we, we set up a wild ride. We went on the wild ride. And now here we are back or where we always were in the infinite playground, figuring out what we're going to do next. And, you know, we do this to ourselves. There's the metaphors are everywhere. We get on roller coasters to scare ourselves, knowing that we're going to be safe. Right. We look at the, the caterpillar turn into a butterfly right there in, in our human experience, the most amazing metamorphosis of something that appears to die in order to take flight as a whole something different. And so I use those all the time with myself and with people I tell to try to grasp what might be going on here and how might we frame this new world that we're in. I think that for many people, if not most people, for you and I, this makes perfect sense. And I feel, I feel such a resonance and I feel so much peace hearing you speak about it because, because it makes so much sense to me and it's because where I'm at as well. For many people, there's still such a profound attachment to the material, to the physicality of who they are. And so this brings up fear. And you brought up children. And that uh, that article, Rachel Kahn, you said? Yep. Actually, if you could send that to me, I'll put that in the show notes. That sounds perfect because I think that for me with my work, the most resistance that I've experienced is from parents because they don't want to think of a future without their children. But the only time that the prospect of death, which I say again in quotation marks, becomes unbearable, whether we fear it or in some cases, I mean, some people are excited about it or we're excited about it. So the only time that that prospect becomes uh, unacceptable to us is when we are living in the now with a future orientation. And right there, that shows us that we're not actually present because when we're totally present, there's no concern or worry or even thought about the future because we're purely in the now. So, and that brings us back to the infiniteness of who we are in that presence. We, honestly, it's just so much easier to navigate life. It's the way we're supposed to be living anyway. And that's, and I almost feel like, in my own life, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm as uh, advanced as Eckhart Tolle, but I feel like I'm pretty darn close because my life is much, much more about presence. And I, I just don't really have a future orientation. Maybe I can think about lunch today, but that's about as far as I'm willing to go. It just doesn't make sense to go any further. And this has highlighted to me how future oriented most of my life has always been. I was always living in the now with a future orientation, never actually being present. So this, uh, it, it's to me, this is just also interesting because, and, and it also has shown me, this is a thought that came to me this morning. <clears throat> I was thinking about how even in our future oriented thoughts, our focus is too narrow because we're only thinking about ourselves. So when we think about the future, we're only thinking about ourselves. But if we think about the, uh, you know, in the native, in indigenous cultures, they think about the seventh generation principle. So they think about seven generations uh, from now. And when we think about the future, if we were to think about the future in from a proper spiritual perspective, it would be about how to live now 
and maintain a thriving future for many generations into the future for ourselves, for the animal world, for the natural world. So we've kind of, with this game that we've been playing, <laughs> we've kind of, we've fucked up. We've really, <laughs> we haven't played very well. We haven't played very nicely either. Yeah, it sure feels that way, doesn't it? And I remember having a moment also in one of the presentations where what came through me at that exact moment, it's like, damn it, we fucked it all up, right? And then I thought, wait a minute, back back up. What's the infinite thinking? And I imagined us as this this version of humanity rejoining the infinite. And we come back as like a collective, like if one person could represent it. Okay, we're back. It's humanity. You know, we blew up the planet, right? <laughs> And then, and then all this this whole theater full of infinite soul, if you will, stands up and starts clapping, right? <laughs> I'm like, what? No, human, Earth, Milky Way, we fucked it up, we blew the thing up, <laughs> and and they're still clapping, and then they stop clapping, and some guy comes up and announces, "I'll have you know, you did better than any species has ever done." Right? It's like what? You have been beating the heck out of ourselves. But maybe no one's ever done it of all the zillions of experiments that may have happened in the infinite world. Maybe we did okay. You know, <laughs> is that just my optimistic little something wanting to make it okay at the end? Yes. But, but daring to think way outside the box, right? Daring to at least ponder the thought that maybe we did okay, you know, given what we had given. You know, like if we saw that if we went to the ape village and we said what they did, hey, you did okay. You had to, you you found fire, and now you learned, <laughs> but you burned down the jungle. You didn't have the capacity to know the power you were wielding. Same story. We didn't know the power we were wielding with separation. We didn't know the power we were wielding with fossil fuels. We didn't know, and we weren't able to quite put it together, even though some voices were trying to tell us. There weren't enough voices to hear the indigenous brothers and sisters telling us to be one with the nature and to keep moving and to not have big tribes and to all this stuff that uh, if we had it to do over again, maybe we would go back there and say, you know, I imagine I would love a, a movie where the pilgrims landed in America and then they met with the indigenous folks and said, OK, you seem to have this down pretty good. Why don't you tell us what to do and we'll do what you want. Rather than decimate them. <laughs> right. And that we, we followed the indigenous vibe and spread the indigenous vibe all over the world instead of spreading capitalism and democracy and consumerism. And that would make for a beautiful movie. I hope somebody makes it before the end. Um, but uh, anyway, it just it circles back to daring to, to just ponder anything because it's infinite. Maybe we did better than anything. Or maybe we're just the F student. You know, we just showed it. Hey, fucked up. I... I I spent all the money on the credit card. I crashed the car. I stole something. I blew up the I blew up the the neighborhood. Right? I burned down the neighborhood. I was playing with fire in the backyard. I burned down the neighborhood. And I murdered everybody before I burned everything down. Right. And I felt so right. I felt so bad about burning everything down. I didn't want people to burn because they didn't have burn insurance. So I went and shot them all. Because you have to have a shoot-up scene in there somewhere, of right? Of course. To, to make it a good movie. And sneak a love scene in there somewhere that uh, I don't know how to dream up a love scene there. But, uh, but uh, Well, I yeah. like your movie better. And I think that if anybody should make it, it should be you. You're the one with the dream. Okay? <laughs> I'm waiting for that one. That's the one I want to see. <laughs> I mean, we're living the other one real time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk to you about... Uh, this, I want to go back to your story about coming to this awareness about 
this situation that we're now all facing. And you mentioned that you went through depression. And I know that grieving is something that is is a faux pas in our culture. Any feeling anything other than happy, happy, happy is is really a faux pas in our culture of illusion and delusion. So I'm curious to know what grieving has been for you, especially as a man, because I know that you guys have it even harder to actually feel emotions that are connected to love and grief for me is one of the most profound emotions that's connected to love. Yeah. So I definitely avoided it for sure. In the whole first several chapters of this, it's like, wow, this is amazing. Wow. I want to talk about this. I want to tell people about this. I want to ponder this. I want to talk to all the people who are thinking about this very headsy, very, um, just fascination was really, I think, what carried so much. And then the spiritual part coming in. And then more and more uh, in my work with Guy, um, we started div- diving into grief recovery stuff. Or or we did workshops where we're just going to sit and talk about this. We're going to plan out a way. How can we dare to help people get to that place? What what can we do to help people? This is We've never been here. Humanity's never been here. None of us are experts. And we're all just winging it our own way. And some of of us are willing to share a little bit about how that winging's been, and that's about where it feels for me. It's like I'm willing to share how how it. Now I have I'm you know privileged white guy in the United States, and um, so I have that. I don't have children of my own, so I've been an uncle my whole life. So I have that slight bit of separation from that deepest core feeling, I think, of needing to provide and needing to have all this feeling of legacy and and whatnot. But um, but grief started circling around. Well, right when I started working with Guy was when he was him and Carolyn wrote the book together, The Extinction Dialogues, that started daring people to dive deeper. And then I'm working with Guy to help put on these workshops, uh, grief workshops, um, to help, how can we dare to talk about this? What's really the feeling? And I kept pushing toward the spiritual side. I'm like, the only answer is, is within, you know, as the world crumbles around us, there's not going to be any outside answer. We're not going to get our validation from where we used to get our validation that I'm doing good and I have a good paying job and we're going on vacations and I have a nice car and my kids are happy. And, you know, all these things are going to be, aren't going to be part of the factor. It's going to be us sitting there on the bluff looking down and going, wow, it's burning. And there's a vast wasteland behind us and we have no idea what next is. And that'll really bring you now, talk about your urgent urgent living slash urgent spirituality. How can we be present? You mentioned the word presence and that's the word for me because it ties in that now present, that this is all we have. This is all we've ever had is right now. But it helps us be the sharp, that, that the infinite is being present through us, right? That that presence is, is moving through us this is this is infinite going wow check out the peter melton goggles <laughs> I, you know this is what it feels like for the combination of what peter is you know and yet in 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 the infinite us is looking through everybody's goggles and feeling everybody's feelings the the parents who don't want anything to do with this i understand i got two brothers and a sister who all have kids and and it's like i don't want to talk to them about this i do a little bit Especially now, I've kind of held off, but now it's like, guys, it's time. You got to know, 
you know, I got to tell you, I can't hold back anymore that I think that this is happening and you should consider looking into it and or starting to add this into your decision making process about your life, <laughs> you know, and and so grief started started inching its way in. And then uh, I started working with Carolyn Baker, who was all about grief. And so then it really magnified uh, daring to look at that. And, and wow, because it's been avoided. You know, grief, I remember in one of the first workshop, grief is, we did a dialogue when I was still doing with Guy, grief is blank, right? And what I said was grief is a feeling I do everything to avoid. That was like my first answer to grief, you know, I'm... While I tend to, I have a, some sensitivities and I'm an emotional and creative kind of man, I still have a lot of that. I don't want to deal with this stuff. This isn't, this isn't me, but I started opening up and started to feel into the vulnerability and started to feel the pain of what's it would it be like to lose people. And then here, this is all happening as my dad's dying, right? I mean, I'm literally living day to day with my dad as he did a perfect slow over two years, decline, 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 die. And right there in my face, right? I'm living the end of a life. And at this, so I'm like going, she, you're really messing with me, aren't you, universe? Right? It's like, I'm, there's a reason that I'm, this is, there's a reason why I'm this. It's all, so it gave, the whole story gave extra purpose to my feeling of, of what I could give. Um, but grief is also, taken a deep step there where it's like it's okay i've learned just in the last year really that being vulnerable is a big part of that being vulnerable to the feelings being vulnerable to this thought that if i go into the grief i'm not coming out right and i know you've interviewed francis weller that's an amazing interview you guys did went to a couple of his workshops did more stuff with carolyn uh stephen jenkinson uh, oh man stephen jenkinson just did an interview with chris martinson that's another one I'll send you the link to that I think anybody who's interested in this whole thing should listen to, especially talks about hopefulness and hopelessness and, and how the whole game of hope puts us into the future and how future is just that massive separation part that we talked about, how that future thinking ties us in, just, just, just links us forever to not being present. Um, uh, and so, so vulnerability is how grief has shown up for me. And then I get a new relationship and it shows up again. And this is ultimate vulnerability kind of way. It's like, wow, I can be vulnerable in an intimate relationship. And it's actually a good thing, right? I don't want you to fall in love with my mask, right? Mm. I got to dare to pull away the mask and see if there's, we got something there. And it's happened for me here uh, in the end times that I'm, I'm in a beautiful relationship with vulnerability and, and that we can deal with grief. And, and so it's, it continues to just open me up little by little. I catch myself because I, I don't want to go there all the time. And I'll catch myself and in this story of, you know, I think my gift is how to make this all make sense and be find the joy, right? Or like Francis Weller said, uh, joyful sorrow, right? That it's not happy. And there's a lot of talk now about the difference between happy and joy. and But it is this presence, which is joy, that, that the infinite is just in bliss at this unfolding, right? Because it's not, hasn't lost anything. We think we've lost all of human legacy, all of the earth, all of all this, but we haven't lost that, right? That's a time illusion. Again, that this linear time thinks, well, if we blow this up, that we've lost all this amazing stuff. We haven't lost it. 
it was, it was experienced and it, it changed. Right. And to the infinite, it saw that it saw that movie, if you will. Right. It's not gone because you don't watch it anymore. And, and to find, continue to find ways that, that yes, grief and vulnerability and sorrow weave in, but they weave from a joyful place that allows us to feel in this moment. Cause here we are in this five minutes where the, where the, the ape is looking over the bluff at their village that's burning. And we've got this tiny window right now where it hasn't overtook us yet. My life is still very normal. I'm going to hop in the car and drive four hours and go see my nephew. Right. It's like, it hasn't really affected my world. Um, in the physical, tangible way, but it's completely affected my inner being. Mm -hmm. And we can sit here in this moment and have this talk, why it's so much fun to talk to you and other people who are deeply feeling into this and why it's so great to get to share to all you listeners because you're here because you want to dare to feel into this or at least you're open to explaining what the heck's going on here. And so it's beautiful to talk to you, Debbie, and know that that talking is happening to all you other people out there that are listening and having your own story unfold. And daring to look at yourself and say, wow, is this resonate with me at all? Because maybe it does and maybe it doesn't. I'm no expert. Like I said, it's just this is just how it's moving through me. And if it resonates in some way, hooray. You know, and if it doesn't, hooray. We're we're all just wiggling through this craziness. And uh yeah. And you know, what you talk about with grief and how it brings about a vulnerability there's just so much strength in that vulnerability too because what it shows is you beyond the mask as you were saying so we live in a world where we put up all of these barricades <laughs> and these shells where we we hide ourselves and we never want to be seen because if we're seen then we're vulnerable but if we're seen we're also authentic that's the thing and it's it's so ironic so and I, it brings me to that Joanna Macy quote, the heart that breaks open can contain the whole universe. And that's certainly been the case in my own life with the heartbreak that I've experienced with the deep connection and love that I feel for this earth. It's been broken over repeatedly over this my entire lifetime. And at the same time, though, I feel more connected to life. I feel more passionate about life. I feel more spontaneous bouts of happiness and joy. Like people, sometimes when they read my work and then they meet me, they, they think I'm going to be a downer, but I'm not. It's because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not at all. It's because I feel everything, yes, everything. You. And I love more than anything to laugh. And I love to cry too, because I know that on the other side of the tears is even more love. I mean, so it's really quite beautiful. And that's, you know, you were talking about when you first wrote grief is something to be avoided at all costs. And that's our culture. And that's the, that's, I think that to be avoided at all costs is another form of very profound separation because our earth is right now is just is imploring us to cry yeah. and, and to boy, feel. You you were right at you. So, so you were, we were talking about taking the mask off and what I felt, I started laughing right then for a moment was we're, we're we <laughs> are daring to take off the mask of humanity mm. as we've painted it up right with the separation and commercialism and resource deplete all those things that have made the face mask of humanity we're we're afraid to take it off because we think that's all we are exactly exactly but the infinite us is now being the infinite us is having this experience if you will of being vulnerable enough also and humanity saying uh, our humanity is taking off its mask 
to reveal what's behind it. And what's behind it is this infinite light, if you will, as I see it, this joy that's beyond the tears. You wouldn't cry if you didn't love it. And so the sadness and the vulnerability is take off a mask, peel a layer of the onion. There's more, right? And that goes back to the infinite story. There's more beyond our humanity. And we're at this pivotal moment where humanity is saying, I think I'm going to take this off because it's not working. I don't want you to love me for my mask. Circles back to the relationship stuff. And humanity's been looking in the mirror and trying to love itself with this mask. And now it's want to dare to take the mask off and say, this didn't work. And it really wasn't love anyway. You were loving my mask. Will you really love me? And peek out, peek out to the mirror and come to find out, yes, right, that we can and love ourselves beyond our humanity, that we can know that even though we've made what will look like humongous mistakes, that there's so much more lying underneath that, and that that's what spirituality can be for you. That's the foundation. As this thing starts tumbling, that the foundation that people will land on is that is that spiritual sense, that knowing of who they are beyond the beyond humanity, and that's the groundwork that will land on to say, oh, wow, we messed it all up and we have to dare to look at ourselves in the fact that we messed it all up, deal with the grief and the depression and the sadness and everything that we're going to go through. But most of that feels, I have this dream, <laughs> I have a dream, that maybe, <laughs> maybe when we peel, maybe when the dominoes are falling to where everyone's having this conversation a year from now, three years from now, whenever that is, when this is the dominant narrative going around humanity, we're, we're Feel a mask and we'll say, well, you know, there's more. We tricked ourselves. There's so much more to who I am than my humanity. That life, I just read this somewhere yesterday. Life and birth is the opposite of death. Life isn't the opposite of death. Life holds both birth and death, right? And and we've messed that up too. We've created life and death as the as the opposites, but it's birth and death, and it all happens within this stream of life. And we we're we're finding that, and we will come to know ourselves. I think the end of humanity. I've never said this is just coming out now. That as humanity comes to an end, and as people dare to feel, we'll have to be forced to feel into the ending of themselves and the obvious ending of everything that's going down for those who get to see enough of it to know that it's tumbling all around humanity will look at itself in the mirror and it will have the mask off and it will say wow and there won't be any other words necessary beyond that the, the eyes the eyes that lie beyond the mask will will have the namaste experience will have the the beauty in me knows the beauty in you holy shit we played this trick on ourselves and what an incredible paradoxical mind frick it was but <laughs> Wow. Right. And we'll sit in that moment and just say, wow. That's a, that is a, re, you really are very gifted with metaphor. And, you know, when I think about the mask, I, as you were talking, I got this image in my head of something that's rotting and falling apart and it's smelly and it's ugly. And it's time that that thing comes off to reveal this shy, atrophied, imprisoned soul who is just radiating light and is just desperate to be coming out. And I think that that's, that plays into the vulnerability too, is because we've been wearing this mask for so long, it's almost like we've got soul atrophy, but that light never leaves. And so 
she or he may be a little tentative in emerging, but once, once we let our soul, once we set our souls free, we can't even imagine ever living another way. And that again is this paradigm shift that is being implored upon all of us right now with everything that is collapsing. So it's, it's, there re- it really is a profoundly spiritual time, profoundly interesting time that we've chosen to incarnate. And for years, I was, I really bought into a, a new story, a new story for the world that involved humanity. But now I really see how I kind of conned myself with that story. It's not a new story for humanity. It's a new story for the soul. It is not about the mortal aspect of who we are. It's about the immortal aspect of who we've forgotten who we are. That is the new story. And as far as I'm concerned, it's actually an even more beautiful story. Uh, and, And the only time that it doesn't feel like a beautiful story is if we're attached to our mortal physical selves. But as you keep saying, you know, I mean, you're, you say it so eloquently, it's really only a blip in time anyway. So I think that the ultimate new story is a remembrance of who we are. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's a new story for the soul is a beautiful line. You just, you just did that. Please write that blog. That's, that's it. To, to, <laughs> that you're, that we're daring to write from that place. We're daring to live from that place. And the interview I had with you before the soul activated presence, mm. right? That we're, we're living from that infinite place that we change the channel that says, wait a minute, what's the infinite me have to say about this? Right. And, uh, and if I was speaking from the infinite right now, I would say blank, right? And just see what comes out. It's a great journaling experiment for those of you who like little homework assignments. If, you know, what does infinite me have to say right now? What does infinite me have to say about X, Y, Z, right? And I imagined also as we were talking about the mask and you were describing your mask, what a great exercise that would be for people at home or in any kind of workshop or whatever. Make a little paper mache mask or heck, use a blank piece of paper, and and call that a mask and put two eyes on it and and write words or draw pictures or put paint on a on a mask and put it over your face and stand in front of the mirror and then dare to peel off that mask and and know yourself beyond all these things that you have considered to be most important um, and and humanity is part of it that that you are I am human being Peter Melton right it's like who's be what's beyond that who's who's living that who's Who's ticking my heart? <laughs> who, who, who makes a zillion things happen without me even thinking about it? And yet I claim it all. Oh, yes, this is Peter Melton. <laughs> and you know, the word apocalypse, the Greek definition of apocalypse is revelation or a lifting of the veil or playing into our metaphor, uh, lifting of the mask. So and and I, I'm as we're talking, I'm realizing that this new story for humanity that I was so convinced was a possibility, even just a few years ago, I realized that even that, even just buying into a new story for humanity is actually buying into separation because it's so human centric. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have this laugh, and then you have this little chuckle that I call my cosmic chuckle that comes <laughs> it 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 feels like infinite laughter it's that part of me that's in there going ah got it you know and it's just this tickle that goes isn't that funny 
isn't that amazing how much we we bought into exactly what we sold ourselves, right? That we set it up clearly like programming a computer. If this happens, they will feel this way. If this happens, they will feel this way. If they start to get the hang of something, then they hit the, the forget button, will automatically go on two minutes later, right? Because you can have a profound experience and feel connected to all of it and think, I've got it now. This is never, I'll never be able to forget how connected I feel to the universe right now. And I just know this is real. Shit, parking ticket? Really? <laughs> you know, and, and, and then there we are, thrown back in, and there's that laugh. That says, I got him. Oh, yeah, and that's I, a cosmic laugh for sure. Yeah, walked right back into the trick. And that's what we want more than anything is the remembering and forgetting and remembering and forgetting. That's the thrill, that the thrill of the journey of remembering and forgetting is what I think we decided to do with this leap in time while sitting on the infinite porch, right? <laughs> Just going to see what remembering and forgetting feels like. Let's go do it. Okay. okay. I like the remembering part better. I have to say <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, my whole work is all about uh, re- unveiling the layers, the intricate layers of separation, revealing the, the rabbit hole, what's in the rabbit hole. And and as I write about separation or speak about separation, I am really, you know, I'm actually unveiling more layers within myself too. And so I feel really grateful for this conversation just in knowing that my buying into a new story for humanity was actually buying into separation. I had no clue until that just came out of my mouth right now. And so I thank you for being the catalyst for that. And I realize even more now how what's playing out in this world right now is ugly and as painful and as uh, horrific as it is, is also something that is ultimately, at least from my, from what I'm feeling inside is ultimately going to be something really profoundly beautiful, especially for those of us who do not negate our spirituality in these times. I think that's the key is to recognize the is is to hold the duality so the horror of it as well as the the awe and the beauty of it as well to be able to hold all of that and holding and and mixing it together really to ultimately come back to the love that is non-dual so being able to hold the two mix it together come back to love that is the ultimate soul awakening as far as I'm concerned. And so that's where I'm kind of at in this world right now is I'm getting to a point now where I don't really want to go into town and do shopping or get a, get a parking ticket, which I got last week. That's why I thought (laughs) that's what's so funny too. (laughs) But, um, but when I do, how can I go into town in a way that I'm not triggered or sent into a tailspin of despair. And I'm getting to a point now where I am not triggered. I'm feeling kind of dissociated from it. And I'm able to see from an observer's perspective, the horrors that upset me so much or used to upset me so much, hold that and also see the eagle that's soaring overhead as I'm pulling the parking ticket from my window (laughs) and relish the awe at the same time. So it's, I'm I'm noticing more of my own spirituality during these times and uh, when I find myself falling into the natural grief and the natural despair then I activate my muse and my muse is a writer 
And so that's when I release all of that out into the world. And that is very healing for me. And I think that that's part of our spiritual uh, awakening as well, is to connect even deeper to our creative muse and really um, honor what needs to be expressed within. So if it's uh, for me writing blog posts and I'm writing my book right my second book right now I'm deep in the throes of that and it's so healing for me uh, or if it's writing fables or creating that movie that I want to see that you create <laughs> <laughs> all these things are so key right now in these times there's just so many ways to, to navigate it in a way where we are more connected to our spirituality and less connected to the collapse that's playing out knowing holding that in our awareness but not being um pulled towards it so again it's like how do we how do we navigate life with denial being the prevailing mindset of the of the the masses of people out there i mean they're not even aware of it and if they are aware of it they find some way to rationalize it or reason it or deny it and then despair being the opposite end of the spectrum knowing that we may be pulled in one direction or another at any one time, but not being caught in that. So it's like kind of riding the middle wave and being more in balance and just seeing the world for what it is and looking at this whole crazy experience as just that, an experience. So I'm kind of going off on a little tangent here. You're just inspiring some interesting thought here in a way that I haven't thought before. And I'm grateful for that. You're expanding my own thinking. Yeah, thank you. It's it's great. This is the beauty of, of minds and voices coming together to, to push each other because this is where it's at. Anybody who's listening to your show is on this path. And so we're speaking to the choir, people who are trying to figure out the same exact thing. How do I hold that I am this infinite love presence while I witness and experience and feel through my humanity, the grief and the sorrow and the pain, but the joys too. It's like, regardless of, of what we're witnessing and experiencing, we are this loving presence experiencing all of it. And the other people that we look at are also loving presence experiencing what they get to experience. Mm -hmm. And we've gotten so caught up in judgment as our other main character of separation, right? And boy, we could do a whole thing on judgment, but that when we can release our judgment, hey, they're doing the best they can with what they've got, you know? Everybody's doing, making the best choices they know how to make. Now, we could fully not agree with them, but it's still, hmm, the infinite wanted to see what it looked like to do that. Right? Me, I wanted to see what it was like to be Donald Trump, whatever. Right? I wanted to see what it was like to go crazy. I wanted to see what it was like to be famously rich and powerful. I wanted to see what it was like to live a normal, average kind of middle-of-the-road life. I wanted to see, but then, I mean, that's just thinking right here in the U.S., but you span that to the world, you know, and, and anybody who travels has a chance to feel. I never forget, I went to Bali in 91 and witnessed these kids playing, and they have nothing. I mean, they're playing with a stick, and they're the happiest people I've ever seen. Right. And I never forget that moment just going, oh, my God, you know, that was a whole mass being peeled away that that more and better and U.S. and stuff, you know, was where happiness was. And it's like, uh, -uh. you know, one of those real deep epiphany moments. Mm. But mm -hmm. but just to, to know, to keep going back to catch yourself because you're going to forget. 
So, you know, I'm going to forget. I'm going to walk down there. Someone's going to say something that I think is absolutely insane. And I'm going to feel the infuriation come up. And I'm going to want to make them wrong. And you guys are da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But we're forgetting. Okay. That's part of the game. But remember, it's the infinite presence that is carrying this vehicle, these goggles, this virtual reality machine for the infinite. Right? Here you are, infinite. This is what it's like to witness everything unfolding the Peter Melton way. And, and wow, I got upset about that. I saw joy in that. I was sad about that. I cried about that. I don't want to go back out to the damn town. But wait, I do. But I don't. But I might. Wow, confusion. Okay, what are we going to do? Take, <laughs> take my infinite self to lunch is what I wanted to recommend. <laughs> right? It's like, uh, who is that gal who did the artist way? Julia Cameron way right. back. Go have an artist date. Right? Take yourself out to dinner and just honor your creative side. Go take yourself on an infinite date where you're just journaling or talking back and forth with each other. I know you and I have in common the Conversations with God book where Neil Donald Walsh uh, reached out to the God of his understanding to try to figure out how in the heck do I make this work and had the most amazing, I think he's written 30 books by now about you know this whole experience around having a conversation with your infinite self. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and and dare to ask, dare to dare to feel from that place, dare to live from that place that says, what does infinity think about this? Hmm. Interesting ride. Doesn't really have a whole lot of attachment to it. <laughs> that's that's a like, massive reframe. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know, Peter, get out there and tell me what it, get out there in the storm and tell me, let's see what it feels like. I know you're sitting in the bedroom, gabbing on the phone, you know, it's like, get out there and do something or sit at home and feel depressed or write something or be sad or send a letter to a friend or call someone you haven't talked to. I don't know anything, everything. We've got infinity, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's there's no loss to the infinite can't lose in any respect. And when we catch that and we start untangling those threads of how humanity and human-centric living has made us so hyper-aware of right now and what we have to lose and preparing ourselves against loss and all that is just feeding the story and then we get the cosmic chuckle again. Look how we set this up. We couldn't have done it any better to freaking create a world where we get so mixed up paradoxically in the, the love, hate and the fear and loss and, and just, wow, they, we tricked ourselves entirely. And I think when we die, when, and I could uh, back, I love that image. You helped me creative here. I walk in the door representing humanity, right? Uh, hi, <laughs> we're back. I burned the place down. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> that, that there's this laughter that comes with the cheers. And then I'm like, what? What are you talking about? It's like, come on, you were just right here. We just, right, you set this up. You tricked yourself and now you're back. And it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. You're right. I, you know, <laughs> I set it up. And that this laughter and joy will burst out. And the feeling I get when my thought about when I die is I'll bust out laughing. And then I'll, then there'll be some awareness that says, let's do that again. <laughs> right? Let's do that again that was so great like a kid on the roller coaster you know it's like oh that was great scared the heck out of me and i want to go again let's go again 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 <laughs> well uh, i can't say that i agree with you with that one i don't want to do it again <laughs> <laughs> well that's what you say now in your separation voice. 
I don't want to do this again. No, 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 no. I, I'm letting my soul lead the way. I'm going to like release her as much as possible. And she can just lead me around by the nose for the rest of whatever time we have left. And I will say, yes, yes, yes. Yes, master. Yes, master. Yes, master. <laughs> I'm all yours. Let's just not do this again. I want to see what's next. What else is out there? <laughs> Something that's a little down, more down. aligned. Time out. <laughs> Time out, Miss Ozarko, soul activated presence. Talking <laughs> to Eckhart Tolle now, and then when it gets down to the core end of the talk, and you've got to kind of think about running it up here, you're saying, I want to know what next is. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? What and else? Then, There's got to be so much more. Catch out yourself. There. Yep. Okay. <laughs> we are so drawn to what's next. There's got to be something better, right? That. Yeah, I know. Gotta guilty, be something better. guilty. Okay, busted, <laughs> busted by busted. Peter Melton. <laughs> you better leave that in the interview too. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I love you too. I think you're amazing, and I am so grateful for this conversation. You've uh, you've certainly got me thinking in a different way, which I'm always excited about. I am always eager for, hungry actually, hungry for different ways of thinking and opening and expanding into more and. You have delivered. Thank you. I, I am so honored. It's the same for me. It's like I, you know, feeling hanging up and walking into my back out into my normal world with just this glow inside me of a, of a mirror, of a residence, of a we both pulled our masks off here and we're on the, you know, the luxury of Skype where we can see each other experiencing this and just like, wow, you know, the, the, the infinite in me knows the infinite in you and I laugh in your general direction. Thank you, Peter. Yes. Mm. It's all good in its craziness. And that is my inspiring conversation with Peter Melton as we both just try and figure it all out and live as fully as we possibly can in these very uncertain, tumultuous, crazy collapsing times. And everything we chatted about today can be found in the show notes back on my website at debozarco.com backslash 122. And I want to mention that during our conversation, we spoke about the book Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. And for both of us, this was a pivotal book in our lives. It was also a pivotal book for Roz Savage, who I've interviewed a couple of times on this podcast. And it is the only book that I'm reading more than once. And as a matter of fact, I'm currently reading through the 700 plus pages a second time, and I'm getting even more out of it this time around. It's a book that I highly, highly recommend. So if you haven't already read it, get it and read it. And if this show is meaningful for you, please, if you haven't already done so, just uh, go to iTunes, give this show a rank and rating. That will help me with the show progress and it will also help spread the word and uh you know get more kindred spirits out there listening and if you want to take your support a little bit further you can support the show on patreon at patreon.com backslash unplug podcast those two little tiny efforts make a huge huge difference because as you know we are all connected. And this brings me to the end of another Unplugged podcast. 
May we continue to open our hearts on our evolutionary journey of awakening to the point where our heads can no longer make sense of it all. Thank you for listening to yet another week of the Unplugged Podcast. And remember, live with passion, live with purpose, change the world.